And I want you to imagine with me that you're back in the Bible scenes. And so you've got your gloves on and you're actually at harvest time because that's the time it is here in Canada. Um, so this Bible character is a Bible character who's in the harvest. Okay, here we go. I am so, so mad at our enemies. I shouldn't have to hide in a wine press here in the cave to thresh my wheat. Oh, it's hard work and it's oh, getting so cold in here. I'd love to be out in the sunlight. What? God, you're speaking to me? And you want me to help deliver your people? Are you sure you've got the right person? I am the smallest in my family, and my tribe is the weakest among all of Israel. What? You will be with me, and I don't have to be afraid? Okay, I think I've got that. Thanks. Lord, please be patient with me. I, I really am not sure about this. Could you please give me a sign? Could you please make the ground all the way around this fleece uh, soaking wet, but just the fleece be dry tonight? And then I'll know that it's really you? Oh, thank you so much. Okay, I'm so tired. I need to go to sleep. It's amazing. The fleece was soaking. I'm sorry, the ground is dry, but the fleece. Sorry, I'm backing it up. Let's, I'm thinking I'm still asleep here. I prayed that the ground would be all wet and the fleece was dry. That's right. The fleece is dry. Lord, please don't be, don't be mad with me. I was sleepy the first time. You've been very patient. Please hear my prayers. And this time... Could you please make the fleece all wet and the ground dry? I'm really, really uncertain, so please be patient with me. Oh, thanks. This time, wow, this time the fleece is soaking wet and the ground is dry. Okay, Lord, you're going to use me but there are too many people. You don't want to use all the people that have come. So I have to send the people away. Okay, I'll send the people. So you only want me to keep 300 of the 30,000 that have come? Oh boy, okay. And I'm supposed to tell them to bring trumpets and clay pots and torches. And you're going to be the one who delivers them, even if I'm weak. Got it. I'll tell them that. Thanks. Okay, so kids, you've got your thinking caps on. Even though Gideon, oh, I'm sorry, even though that person was a little sleepy, who am I talking about? I was talking about an Old Testament character named... Gideon, right. So you might remember Gideon wasn't as silly waking up as the character I was acting out. But God told him, I'm going to use you, though you're weak, to deliver Israel. 
And I want to do it because I want to show that I am great, even though you are weak. And so you might remember that story about Gideon going out against a vast army, uh, carrying clay pots, swords, and trumpets. Very weak, but yet God encouraged him. And God did an amazing thing in spite of his weakness. I love that fact that God is working to display his greatness and to make himself known. And he's using people like you and me to do that. Would you turn with me now in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4? And I'd love to think with you for a few minutes about some of Paul's reflections as he's thinking about his calling and what God is doing uh, through his ministry and through his weakness. Let's just pray together as we uh, consider a few of Paul's reflections and what God would be directing our attention to this morning. Lord, we thank you that you are the living God. Thank you that you delight to use not only your word, but you delight to use people who are weak in sharing it with others so that your power would be shown as great. As we spend a few minutes looking at your word together, Lord, we pray that you would continue to transform us, that our thoughts and our actions would reflect you. I pray where we need to see you known in our community too, that you would give us that privilege of seeing you, uh, bringing not only a few, but many to know who you are. Thank you that we can ask this confidently of you in Jesus' name. Amen. If I had to put a title on this passage, I might say, His Treasure, Our Pot. Uh, we're kind of looking at a few reflections of Paul breaking mid-chapter uh, of chapter 4. And I'd like to begin reading 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. Uh, Paul has been spending his chapter reflecting on and boasting in God, the God who has chosen him to share the saving news about Jesus. And he's reflecting about what that involves in his own experience. Uh, twice he says in the chapter, therefore, we do not lose heart. And that's the part I'd like to focus on, uh, the not losing heart and the reasons behind that this morning. Let's read through the passage and then we'll think a little bit about some of the encouragements in it. Paul starts in verse 7, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. We always carry around in the body the life of Jesus so that, the, I'm sorry, the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always be given over to death for Jesus' sake so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. 
It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. This is the second therefore. It says, therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Do you think Paul might have had in mind the story of Gideon as he was thinking about himself? Jars of clay. Uh, Jars of clay are pretty cheap. And they're pretty dispensable. They're easy to make, but they're very fragile. And Paul describes uh, those of his traveling companions and himself. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay so that the surpassing greatness would be shown to be from God and not himself. That's good news for me and for you as we think about our lives that God delights to put his treasure, not only his gospel, but his very presence in us. He delights to show his power in our weakness. And he delights to do that so that he'll be known not only in greater ways in our lives, but also around us. Paul is no stranger to suffering. And we know that those who are called to follow Jesus uh, are part of his suffering. He details in the passage a number of ways that he's experienced that suffering, describing how he's been hard-pressed, crushed, uh, I'm sorry, hard-pressed but not crushed, perplexed, persecuted. Um, he describes in another passage 39 scars that he bore on his body of having been whipped, but not 40. Uh, those kind of sufferings display weakness in a unique way. And now many of us may not experience that category of suffering. Those of us who follow Christ will maybe be able to identify with his treasure in our weakness, our jar of clay, so that his greatness will be shown to us. He says that he always carries around in his body, or we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus will be revealed as well. His confidence is based on Jesus' resurrection. His hope is fixed there. And in verse 15, I'd like to camp out on the end of his reflections. He says, all these things that I'm sharing about are for your benefit, the Corinthian readers. And you and I get the privilege of reading in with some of their uh, original reading as well. And you and I have the privilege of sharing in the benefit 
of what Paul is reflecting on too. All this he says is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to God's glory. You know, last weekend we had the privilege of sharing in a church and one of the people came up to me and said, uh, I'm recently married, but I'm recently trusting in Jesus as well. We had the privilege of seeing this over and over again. God's grace is reaching more and more people. And how is that happening? Yes, God uses dreams and visions. He uses social media to reach people, but how is he doing it mostly? He's using people who love him, people who are so in, uh, amazed at the love of Jesus, who talk about that with other people, who say, I am amazed that even though I'm sinful, even though I fall short of what God wants, my performance isn't perfect, he still loves me. He's still changing me to be like his son Jesus. And in fact, he's giving me the uh, purpose of living for him alone. And that makes God's grace glorious. It overflows when people say, wow, why would you want to give of your time and your money so that Jesus would be known? He's doing something amazing in your life. He's doing something amazing in your family. Often when we ask our friends, can we pray for you? They would say, sure, why not? But don't pray to my God, pray to your God, because he'll answer. They know that the living God hears and answers prayer. And when their prayers are answered, they say, thank you. And it overflows so that God would be known. His grace would be glorious. His grace is reaching more and more people. And I pray that that would be our reality here in Edmonton as well. That's good news. And in the context, Paul also shares what I would consider some bad news in verse 16. Uh, he's got some amazing hope that he's sharing. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Boy, that's not encouraging news, Paul. Uh, outwardly, we're wasting away. As it were, our bodies, they're not getting any newer or better or fitter. In Paul's case especially, we know that he had been under house arrest and he'd been in prison for some time. He could reflect that with uniqueness, but the outward bodies we're given uh, here on earth are being described as wasting away, getting more and more tired, preparing for death. That's sad news, isn't it? Uh, you want to come to church to hear good news, right? <laughs> Paul's encouragement to us is good news, but it's shared in this context that God isn't promising, uh, as some interpret the previous verses, speaking and believing that our bodies will be fully healed fully restored here on earth. Uh, I believe that's beyond where the passage and where our Christian experience would take us. Uh, what he is saying is, therefore, we don't lose heart because we're not outwardly being renewed all the time, but inwardly we are being renewed. And he describes it day by day we're being renewed in an inward sense. 
It's a passive phrase. He doesn't say, I'm renewing myself. Uh, you may remember in other passages like Romans 12, he says, we're being renewed in the attitude of our minds. We're not like the world. We're being conformed to their images, but we're being renewed. And so it's a passive construction. Who's doing this renewal? I believe Paul and his companions are looking to Jesus. They're cooperating with him. They're seeking him and saying, Lord, bring my life to look like you, where my attitudes and actions need renewing. Keep me from complaining. That's easy to do right now. Keep me from complaining and help me to speak of you. In fact, when he thought about some of what he was going through, uh, as he reflected this to the Philippians, he said, you know what? Now more and more people are going to hear about Jesus. In fact, I'm chained to a few guys. They can't get away now. All of Caesar's household have heard about Jesus because I'm in chains. That's great news. Now, if my family heard me locked up in jail, I pray for God's grace to do something similar, to speak of Jesus. But that's God's grace in action in Paul's life. That even prison, uh, even sickness wouldn't take his eyes off of Jesus. That he would continue to be uh, a person of hope of saying, my eyes are fixed on him and I'm being renewed day by day. I've met some people, I'm sure you've met some people like this too. I had the privilege of going to Peru and meeting a family who was serving there. And one of the uh, memories that sticks out is a man named Delwyn. Uh, when he walks down the street, he walks like this because his leg doesn't walk normally as you and I would. And yet Delwyn's eyes are fixed on Jesus. And he said, you know what? I thank God for making me weak because I am being called to depend on him. And when people see his joy in my life, in my weakness, I get a chance to say, I love Jesus and I'm waiting for a new body from him. But right now you can trust him just like I am. And he joyfully uh, points others to the hope that he has in Jesus. One of the verses that he shared out of Philippians chapter two sticks with me too. It's a prayer that he offers every morning. Uh, one that asks for the mind or the attitude of Jesus. He prays each day, Lord, give me the attitude of Jesus. In Philippians, Paul is reflecting, have that same attitude as Jesus. And so he said, okay, every day, Lord, please give me the attitude of Jesus so that my attitude would be just what you have in the midst of my day. And as he and his family invite others, God has begun a small church that meets in their home. Others are starting to follow Jesus and take that responsibility of teaching his word. So I thank Jesus for what he's doing, that he delights in using weak people and renewing day by day their attitudes and calling them to follow, calling us to follow in ways that make him known. I have a question for you. Is this renewal happening in your life? Is it happening in mine? Uh, it's easy to talk uh, about 
things that God is doing, but are we taking time to be renewed in His presence, to confess our sin, and to ask Him to change our attitudes? Is He being renewed in my parenting, uh, in my home? Is He being renewed in the way that I talk with my neighbors uh, so that I invite them to follow Him and share this reason that I talk about God treating me with grace or kindness. Uh, I think that's good news for us to pause and reflect on, as well as to pray and to celebrate. As we've heard this morning, our lives are not perfect, but he who calls us is faithful. When God starts a work, he's going to complete it. And I believe this is what part of Paul's confidence is as he's reflecting who Jesus is. Uh, he's talking about God's grace reaching more and more in our passage, and it overflows. Uh, let's just think about some of what Paul is focused on. He goes on to talk about his struggles in verse 17 and 18 as being light and momentary in comparison with those things that are unseen, that are eternal. And he's talking about his light and momentary troubles that are achieving an eternal glory. So as it were, a scale on one side, light and momentary, an eternal glory that's so weighty that it's far outweighing anything he's experiencing on the one hand. And so Paul is fixing his eyes on what he can't see, on those promises that God has made, on who Jesus is, and not just on the physical things around him. Our hope in Jesus defines our struggles, and it also defines what we're looking at or paying attention to. Are you and are, am I paying attention to Jesus? And if so, his hope radiates uh, even in the midst of the most intense struggles. Steve and I had that privilege of going to a funeral for one of our Bible revisers. And although there were many, many tears, uh, sorry, the wife of one of our Bible revisers, uh, there was great hope, or even as her casket was laid into the ground, as Paul said, we know that even though she's asleep now, she's going to wake up. Even though she's uh, now experiencing death, the God who raised Jesus from the dead will raise us up with him. And what that reflects is uh, the confidence in Jesus that God who began that good work, he's going to complete it. And Paul's confidence is not just in himself that God's going to complete that in him, but he says he's going to completely do that and present us to Jesus with you the people he's writing about. That's good news as well. I can't change other people, but God can. And the God who has begun that good work is going to carry it on. He's going to finish it. And that's good confidence. That's good hope for us to have as we think about who God is this morning. So I'd just like to Thank God for his promises this morning that he is a faithful God, that he delights in using weakness, that he puts his treasures in jars of clay, that he transforms our light 
and momentary afflictions to his glory. Let's pray together as we think about uh, some of how he would apply that in our lives. Father, each of us have come through this week with different experiences. And I thank you that you know them, you know each of us well, as well as the experiences we've gone through. Thank you that you are passionate, that we would know you. Thank you that you would use our light and momentary struggles, even where they seem different than that to us, that you would change them into something that would be amazing or glorious in your perspective. So, Father, while we wait for uh, that to be reality in our lives, we do pray that you would make us like Jesus, transforming us to be like him. Would you use your resurrection life uh, to teach us? And would you show your power in ways that would amaze us to bring others to you in our community and in our families? Lord, we thank you that your grace is reaching more and more. Just as we prayed for others uh, in North Africa, we thank you that you are doing that here as well. We thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.